0: The text for the sermon this day is taken from both the gospel lesson and the Old Testament reading, which you heard earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. First is a note. Yes, I am not preaching in the pulpit right now. At times I preach here, sometimes I don't. If you ever wonder, is it okay to preach out of the pulpit, remember the pulpit did not exist until the 8th century. So that means almost 800 years of Christianity had no pulpit to preach from. And I think it's okay. Jesus didn't preach from a pulpit, it didn't exist yet. So, all right. With that in mind, what I want to get across is this reality that God's word has power. That's the central theme in our two texts. God's Word has power. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, you read that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. How did God create the heavens and the earth? Did he gather up some pixie dust and say, bippity boppity boo and it was created? No. He said, let there be light. And bang, there was light. He said, let there be water, let there be animals, let there be this, let there be that. And everything he said came into existence. His word was of such power that things that did not exist obeyed his word and came into existence. That is the power of God's word. Now the man and the woman were not created in the same manner. The man was created from the dust of the ground. God took a very intimate process. He took that dirt and he formed it and he molded the man. And then from the rib of the man, he molded the woman. Well, when you're growing up, you're always told, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words Words will never hurt me. In case you've not figured out by now, that is a lie. You've realized that bones heal and words from the right, the wrong words from, I guess, the right person can last an entire lifetime. And so the words of a person can sway us to do the things we know ought not to be done. So, for example, in the garden, the man and the woman were both told. God's commands, and specifically regarding this tree in the middle of the garden. And yet, this serpent, with his sly words, was able to convince the man and the woman who lived in communion with God, who walked with him, who talked with him, and yet, with his words, he convinced them to do what they know ought not be done. Their word was able to overwrite the word of God. And let's face it, that's something we all do. Whether you're young or old, someone could tell you to do something, and you know it is not what you should do, and you will do it. I'll give you an example. So I was not always an angel when I was a kid. So I had two episodes in my life involving law enforcement, Ankeny law enforcement. One of, the first time does, is not relevant to this, this, but the other one kind of is. So I remember me and my friend, we were at the grocery store, Dillo's, which is a, a super value that was in Ankeny, it doesn't exist anymore. But we were there in the cards section. both of us collect baseball cards football cards basketball cards well my friend i saw him take some of it i don't mean take it just to to bring it up to the counter to pay for it no to take it without paying for it and then he told me exactly what to do so i could do the same thing as he was doing now i wish i could say that i thought because i knew what Definitely not. And I knew I probably should go turn him in. But he's my friend. I don't want to look like a scaredy cat. I don't want to look like I'm afraid or a goody-goody or whatever. And guess what I did? I did the same thing as he did. And I wish to say that was the last time I did that. We actually did that for about a month at various places in Ankeny. And if you could guess who caught me... It was my dad who noticed that I was, all of a sudden, having more stuff than I should have. And so he caught me, and he turned me into the police. So um, but an example, as kids, whether you're in elementary, you're in middle school, you're in high school, all it takes is somebody say, come on. What's what's it going to hurt you? You don't always have to do what's right. you got to do what's fun and feels good. And by the way, that doesn't just end when you're in high school. It goes all the way into adulthood. And by the way, in case you think, well, I can't believe those people lead us to do things. We all know that sometimes we are the ones swaying someone else to do what we know shouldn't be done. And we convince them to do it, and they do it. Or sometimes we use our own, we convince ourselves. Because that's that Luther talks about the sebelustis epicator. We're simultaneously saint and sinner. Our sinful nature quite often is convincing us. We know our saint, our saints' nature is telling us what not to be done, but our sinful nature can use just the words and knows exactly what to say and do, and we will cave in time and time again the consequence of that sin that we have is death so in the gospel lesson now we only we read the shortened version if you read the full version it's actually like 50 verses so the full version is Jesus and his disciples are out and doing ministry And somebody comes to him and tells him that Lazarus is sick. Jesus does not go right away. Jesus continues doing what he is doing. And then, eventually tells his disciples, we need to go to Lazarus because our friend Lazarus has gone to sleep. Now the disciples tend to not get what's going on. And so he has to plainly tell them that Lazarus has died. And so they go to the tomb, and before they get there, Jesus is greeted by Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. And eventually he goes to the tomb, and he tells them to roll the stone away, to which they say, But Lord, he has been there four days, and the fun word in the King James Version, it says, He stinketh. Yes, Stinketh is a word. You can pull out your King James version of the Bible. It doesn't just say he has an order. It says he stinketh. Which to let you know. That the body is decaying. It's decomposing. And so it stinketh. And so. But they removed the stone. And Jesus says. Lazarus. Come out. And the dead man. The man whose body was decaying and was wrapped in bandages where even if he was alive, he probably couldn't hear very well. And he's in a cave. If you're in a cave, you can't hear much of what's going on outside. And yet, he still heard and obeyed and he woke up and was alive. And by the way, you know why Jesus had to say Lazarus? Because if he just said, hey, come out, everybody would have come out and it would have been like it would have been like the thriller all of a sudden. <laughs> and so Lazarus came out alive because Jesus who is God in the flesh so God's word has power and because Jesus is God in the flesh, his word has power, the power to raise a dead man. The reading from Ezekiel. You have Ezekiel having a conversation with Yahweh, the Lord, and he's being told to prophesy over dry bones. Dry is to let you know how long they have been there. They have been there so long that it has stopped decomposing. There's nothing left to decompose. It is just dry. And so he is told to prophesy over these bones. The word prophesy, we sometimes think that just means to predict the future. No, it's, prophesy just means to, pro, to speak the word of God. Technically, if you were, if you were to read, say, John 3.16 to someone, you actually are prophesying. Because you are speaking God's word unto them. So Ezekiel is told to prophesy. Now, in other words, speak the word of God on these dry bones. And as he speaks on them, and as you re- heard that text in a very visual sense, those bones slowly come together and they rattle together. And I so wish somebody that was really good at digital stuff would create a video of this because I could just imagine the ba- the bones just kind of rattling together, the sinews and all that coming together. It would be just kind of an incredible sight. But he speaks the word of God because God's word has power even through the mouth of a human being like Ezekiel. Ezekiel isn't God, but yet, as he speaks the word of God, and because God's word has power, those bones rise. Now, Ezekiel's in a vision. He's not actually speaking to dry bones, but he's having a vision of what is to come. Who is the house of Israel? The house of Israel now, in the short term sense, this is talking about the people in exile. But in the long term sense, it's talking about anyone who believes the promise that was given to Abraham. The promise to Abraham was that an off- his offspring would, would have descendants as numerous as the stars above. Who is his offspring? Well, it's the same offspring as the offspring of Adam and Eve. It's the same offspring as the offspring of David. The offspring is the one who was born of Mary, Jesus. So all those who believe and confess that Jesus is the Christ, they are the house of Israel. And so the day is, so the day is indeed going to come that you're dry bones. And this is not just talking about that day. It's talking about every time you gather into this building. Because you gather, you come with that sinful nature, the same sinful nature that leads to death. And you've sinned in thought, word, and deed by things you've done and left undone. And so, we begin the service with, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Calling to your baptism. For some of you, it was more recent than others, but a day came that the pastor said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And that water, even though it's just tap water from the back, even if it was, you know, somebody used a bathtub, or in the battlefield, people would actually use their own saliva. The water may not be the most awesome of water, and yet when it's combined with the Word of God, and combined with His promise, that water, that gives life. And it forgives you of every single sin you ever have committed or ever will commit, and you are declared a child of God. Because God's Word has and again, you confess your sins, as you did earlier. And again, you hear, And the stand and by the command of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And guess what? Your sins are again forgiven. Because God's Word has power. And every time you hear the Scriptures, every time you hear God's Word spoken to you, you are you're strengthened in faith. Because God's Word has power. And when you come to this altar, and by the way, the next couple weeks, you'll have a lot of opportunities. Palm Sunday, we have communion. Maundy Thursday, we have communion. Easter Easter Vigil, Easter Sunday, we have communion. Second Sunday after Easter, we have communion. Because it just happened to be that Easter lands on the second Sunday of the month. But you're going to come here, and you will be given bread, that little disc. That, let's face it, it's not... I mean, it is not the, the finest French bread that you have. Sometimes it tastes just a little bit like cardboard or styrofoam. But it's bread nonetheless. And you drink the wine, and I promise you, we are not getting $2,000 bottle of wine from, from Italy. I remember when I was in Vicarage, there was a bottle of wine at one place that was $14,000. I'm like, so we're not using that kind of wine because I think the church would go broke really fast. So, but yet, when you receive that bread, you will hear, take, eat, this is the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Take, drink, this, the wine, is the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And yet, though those words are spoken by poor, miserable sinners, such as I, Because God's word has power. That bread is still bread, but it is the body of Jesus. It doesn't represent the body of Jesus. It is the body of Jesus. And that wine, it doesn't represent the blood. It is the blood of Jesus. Shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins and the strengthening of your faith. Because God's word has power. And the day will come that you will be in your graves. Every one of us, we are destined there, because we all bear sin. And Jesus will go through the cemeteries, and he will say your name. And he will say, Briley, sorry, I had to pick the acolyte, so Briley, wake up. Hopefully you're not sleeping now, but he will say, come up. Which is basically saying, you will come out of the grave, and though you may be dry bones, dead for a long time, you will rise. And your body will be restored and be exactly as God intended it to be from the beginning of creation. It'll be so thorough that those of you who have have arthritis, you're walking around with walkers or cane, you will be able to do backflips. Because that is how thorough that resurrection will be. Because God's word has power to raise the dead. Just as it did for Lazarus, so it shall for you. But until that day comes, God's word also has power from your lips. Because there are people that you know, they are burdened by sin. Did you know the pastor is not the only one that has authority to forgive sins? As long as you are a Christian, you have that authority. To say to somebody, hey, listen, I hear that you are burdened, but Jesus forgave you your sins. Your sins are forgiven, and guess what? Because God's word has power, even from your lips, those sins are forgiven. And there are so, so many people in the world who have no faith. And apart from Christ, there is no salvation. How are they to know unless someone speaks to them? So the gospel, spoken from your lips unto others, creates faith. Because God's word has power. May it be on our lips forever. And until the day he returns for the resurrection of the body in his name we pray. amen the grace peace and mercy of our lord and savior jesus christ keep in the one true faith the life everlasting amen